This is the B&J Podcast. Parents, don't let your children listen to this fucking filth. Fucking filth. Fucking filth. Oh, this is so exciting. Is it? Oh, it is. <laughs> I could pee. Did we, did we change the name of this podcast? No. It's still the same. It's, it's still the same, like... Like, I mean, it's a good advertisement because, like... It will. It gives you an, uh, an idea of the kind of like slipshod fucking half-assed entertainment value that's going to come. Like we couldn't even bother to name the podcast something good or memorable or clever. No, it's just the B and J podcast with I'm B and I'm J. Yay! And <laughs> welcome to season two. This <laughs> is or episode vers- or version two. Or episode 82. We can't even even call it The Return, because we already did that. (laughs) Yeah, we did, yeah. We did one episode of that. Did it ever actually go up? I don't know. That was... When was the last time? When was the last time we recorded one that actually went up? Was that 2018? Like January of 2018? 2016. Really? Yeah. Maybe 2017? No, I mean, there, no, it would have to be after that, because it would have to be after the, uh, after... It was after my grandmother died, yeah. And it was, well, and it was after Twin Peaks came out, because we had initially it, called it The Return. Yeah. No, it was so during I think it was, the, it was uh, the, during the Dodgers' first uh, World Series run, so 2017. Was that it? I just, like, I remember coming here, I guess it was probably three years ago. Yeah. By the way, your fucking housing complex still feels like a prison... Oh, it's like, even worse. Actually, even more so now. So, so Jimmy like gives me like sends me. I I ask him for his address again. He sends me his address. I come over here, and like all the first of all, it's like the the complex is like a bunch of huge buildings. Like, there, are there 16, 20 buildings here? Something ridiculous that all look exactly the same and all have little like fourplexes basically in them. Um, there's numbers on the front building. But there's no other indication of which unit it would possibly be, and all of and everything looks exactly the same because it's all being stripped out to to uh, uh, presumably they're redoing the stucco. Yeah, you get, they're doing, you get that you get that fancy earthquake resistant stucco. <laughs> no, it's totally ridiculous. Basically, new owners. I'm on the way out. Oh, you are. I am on the way out. Well, so, like, they're from here or like. From life. From here. Okay. From life, I attempted that. That didn't work out very well. No. Now I'm on, like, life-saving drugs. But, no, so I'm on the way out from here, so I'm just waiting until they give me the final eviction notices and my payout. And then I'll be on my merry way. And I'm hoping that happens sooner rather than later. Are you, uh, are you, are you planning on staying in the general South Bay area um my i'm hoping to snag a place in downtown la for under two thousand. yeah right oh you're gonna be one of those um but if i don't but if i don't uh, find a place i like up there i'll most likely be in torrance i remember i remember a couple of friends uh really friends of friends who had a place in the early 2000s in downtown in the like sort of luxury tower apartment right across from the Bonaventure. Okay. And they were on a high floor. Mm-hmm. And their rent was about $2,000 a yeah. month, which is insane to think about now. But that yeah. was when downtown was not desirable, yeah. particularly. I, I, I've, I've been looking... I've been casually looking at things on Craigslist, uh, just here and there, just 
sort of a sizing up the market. So I found a couple places, but we'll see what happens. It's like, tricky. Yeah, it's I'm tr realistic about what I can find in downtown LA. Um, that's why I'm saying most likely I'll be in Torrance. Yeah. Well, it's tricky because the job your your you know your job is in a real specific place that is not near anything that you could afford. No. And also you want to, I know you particularly like being on the train as much as possible, so. I, I don't like driving. Um, so I'm very much a metro. I, I do rely on metro. Yeah, fucking so. Tyler scored, by the way, with his gig. Like, yes. he, or he can just basically train it every day to work, work and back. It's without, without it being even too long. Yeah. Uh, now that the blue line's opened back up, like, I've been kind of uh, considering going hitting uh, downtown a little bit more, especially now that the draft house is open and is literally, like, right uh -huh. across from 7th and Metro. Oh, wow. Um, it's that it's, close? No, it's like, yeah, literally, oh, like, wow. you get you, you walk up the, the stairs from 7th mm -hmm. and Metro across the street and you're, and you're in the horrifying, extremely hard-to-navigate complex that houses it. So. Okay. This is, I'm sure, very exciting for our, for oh, yeah. our, lo our long-waiting audience. Like everything else is exciting. Um, so, yeah, so season two, whatever. Uh, we're back. Um, anyhow, so what do we talk about? <laughs> so well, what, so I mean, here we are at 2020, right? Yeah. As I just talk all over you. And sure. Just give a shit. Um, so here we are at 2020. We just went through an entire decade of stuff. So I, I think one of the things uh, you were wanting to do is just sort of take a look back at the decade that was... And A.K.A. the last decade that ever probably will be. <laughs> we can only hope. There were, so there were, there were specifically three things that we talked about talking about. And I, hopefully maybe we can keep this under, like, two hours. Yeah. Um, uh, and I won't fiddle too much with my plastic cup because it's been a while since I podcasted. And I know I forgot how much the microphone picks up. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things I thought we could talk... Uh, what, the three things that I thought we should talk about are movies, twice, mm. and then also I think the other the other thing of note I mentioned was apocalyptic horniness, um, which, if, which if you've been if you've been following Jimmy's blog posts has been <laughs> has been a recurring theme of his, but generally also I think is kind of an interesting thing to talk about <laughs> the fact that like the fact that here we are looking more and more like the end of the world and yeah like. Let's just We're fuck. thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, that's what's happening. Um, well, no, let's, let's sort of look back at the decade, I guess. It sucked. Um, there were some moments. What would, you, what would you pick as your moment of the 2010s? Off the top, obviously, like, like... Personally or in the world at large? I mean, either one. <laughs> My grandmother dying. Yeah. That was a big one. Yeah, and that set lot. me off into years long depression that I'm still that I'm still waiting in. But you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that wasn't funny. I mean, you don't, they don't have to be funny. Like I said, it's the end of the world. We should be a little funny. I mean, yeah. So we should be. A little, I don't know. Really think of something about funny about your grandmother dying. Um. I kept the apartment. <laughs> so far, yeah. So far. Is that is it weird to be considering moving out of no. her old place? No. No, you're not sentimental like that? No. 
I'm just, I'm gleeful that I'm, like, d gonna, like, throw away so much crap. So. What are you gonna throw away? What are you getting rid of? Well, I'm gonna sell, do you want a piano? I don't, actually. Uh, yeah, anyone who would like, who would like an upright piano. Yeah. It's dusty. It needs a new, uh, it needs a new E string, um. But that, that's been jerkies for like 20 years. Ah, it's like you can find those at Guitar Center, no problem. Yeah, but then it needs a whole new tuning. And yeah, well, if you're, I mean, if you're going to move it, you should probably tune it anyway, I think. Isn't yeah. that how it works? Yeah. But I, unless, I'm not unless you hire one of those like yeah. old-timey piano movers, <laughs> like they have in the cartoons. <laughs> like Laurel and Hardy <laughs> up the Echo Park stairs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I'm not taking it with me. Uh but yeah, it's a. But I've had it since I was uh, three years old. So you have a nice big TV. Yeah, fifty-five inch. Yeah. Samsung. It's, it's Korean. Yeah. You know I support my peoples. Do you? Ish. <laughs> <laughs> so then shouldn't it be like half Korean, half Louisianian? <laughs> There's like a dead pixel in the middle, so I guess oh, that accounts for the... Wait, where is it? No, it, it sometimes appears. No, I don't think it's a dead pixel, but whatever. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy has football on, by the way. I do. Wait, so, wait, they have like fucking space helmets now? What's going on? <laughs> There's a, like this, this guy has a fucking like glass shield on the front of his helmet. Yeah, they're, like, allowed, they're allowed that now. What? For like to protect from glare. Aren't they worried about sharp pieces of plastic going into their eyes? Like, would be I would be more worried about. Well, okay, so or have they, or have they actually like pussified things to the point where like you, you can't. No, so all of these stupid of assholes they prefer playing on like that uh, fake the fake grass field with the rubber pellets. Oh, the cancer ones. Can yeah, they all <laughs> love that shit. So you know what? Fuck them. They don't give. They don't give a shit if plastic falls in their eyes. I I cannot. I. I will never be able to fathom football. I understand why people like it. I just so I have this on because okay. So uh, as we're recording this, Houston and Kansas City are playing their uh, AFL divisional playoff game, and Houston was up twenty-four to nothing at one point in the and this, whoever, second quarter. So whoever wins this goes to the World Series of football, whatever that's called. No, they go to the AFC Championship game next week. The winner of Houston, Kansas City okay. will face Tennessee. So this is like the this is like the NLCS. No, this is like the NLDS. I it's say. like yeah. Okay. Yeah. They should play like seven football games in a they row. They should like like one each day for a week. No, I agree. That would make it much more interesting. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And like and like a, like a set number of substitutions like they have in in. Uh, uh, soccer. <laughs> like, you can only have, like, a certain number of substitutions. Just three substitutions. Yeah, total, per game. <laughs> and, like, for offense and defense. <laughs> that would make it much... I'd probably watch that. Oh, and also, and also, like, the clock only stops for, you know, like, they add the time and they yeah. have stoppage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm totally for that. <laughs> that's my main... That's actually my main objection against football is not, like, the horrible greed of the owners. Well, okay, so all that stuff does actually factor into it. But ultimately, like, the reason that I don't care is because I never got into football because it's so fucking slow and boring. Like, there's so little action, it feels like. Yeah. I watch more, like, a real football than American football, so... Um, I mean, 
that's why when I was in London this past a couple months ago, I was all teary-eyed because I got to my uh, football stadium, Stamford yeah. Bridge. I was all teary-eyed the whole time. I was like, oh my god. But then we lost. And then I was So pissed. you burned down a pub to get the full European yeah. football fan experience. Oh yeah. oh yeah. I was all around Chelsea supporters, obviously. So it was like, and we were right next to the because we were playing uh, West Ham uh, that day. So it was one of the London derbies. So there were the West Ham uh, supporters off to the side in our area. And so yeah, it was a uh, it was fun. Yeah, I guess the real European football fan experience is probably being crushed to death by collapsing. Yeah, but the Premier League uh, ended that practice. Uh, boo! No, I'm just kidding. That was horrible. <laughs> I mean, blame the Liverpoolians. Well, I mean, certainly like the cops there. I, I saw that thirty for thirty. I know yeah, what's up. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, we got way off topic here. Uh, which, um, is, which is what which you was do. still like your moment of 2010. I think we did your your personal moment. Do you have a, like a, a a you know touchstone moment of the 2010s for the world at large? The world at large, or for, I mean, or for your place in the world at large, at least. Obviously, like if you were a Chilean miner, that would be a different touchstone than. <laughs> Trump getting elected. Yeah, I mean that's that's I mean, kind of the big one. Yeah, that's a big trauma, I guess. How about you? <sighs> yeah, you know, Trump getting elected. The more I think about it, though, feels like the conclusion of something that started in in twenty fourteen, and I would point to two things specifically in I. Th- I think it was 2014 that really kind of fucked my shit up. I think both of them were 2014, both over the summer of 2014. Uh, one was the uh, um, uh, Ferguson, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what happened in Ferguson, and then the reaction to that, especially the react, the the sort of public reaction of rallying around the cops um, and just sort of like completely dismissing the idea that there's a difference of the way things are enforced on by a huge number of people. Yeah. And then also Gamergate from that same year. Um, because both of those things feel like they, f- they fed into sort of the, both the general apathy and lack of understanding about extremist forces. Um, that's always been kind of a factor, but like just, it feels qualitatively different now. And then, and then Gamergate, like, there's a very clear fucking through line from what happened with Gamergate to uh, the rise of the alt-right to yeah. the, the way the election played out. Um, and I think a lot of that is, you know, direct, you can trace directly back to that. And obviously that's not, you know, that's not the the beginning of everything, but that was the beginning of sort of the mm-hmm. radicalization, the large-scale radicalization of that segment of, you know, who became the alt-right. And who became the right in general. Yeah. Um, it just... I don't know. It was... Um, I just remember the whole, during the whole Trump thing, and it was... Like, it coincided right with my grandmother dying mm-hmm. and, and everything. So it was just all uh, a very uh, traumatizing time. Um... But um, 
I just remember going to the precinct one night. I was in, it was when Daniel was still living here, so we, we were there together. And no, no, it wasn't at the precinct. It was at a fault line. Um, but this guy. I thought you met. I thought you met your voting precinct, and I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, I yeah. didn't know why. And then as soon as you mentioned Daniel, I'm like, okay, so that's, prob that's probably actually... Yeah, the bar, the yeah. gay bar in downtown. No, but no, this was actually at the fault line. I actually don't know. I don't know that one. I don't know the precinct. How precinct is, is nice. I like it. Yeah. I mean, there's not that, There's honestly not that many good ones in L.A. Like, even the good ones are kind of trashy. Bar um, Madison was my favorite one, um, but that closed down uh, earlier, late last year, so. Very sad. Is, MJ, is MJ still open? No. I, I thought that that had closed a while yeah, ago. That, that's a while back. But anyhow, so I saw this guy. He had this uh, the Gadsden flag snake tattooed on his arm. I'm like, you silly faggot. You know? You just don't want to get laid? Is that what it is? But then he was like all around his friends, and they all looked like, oh, we're going to be... Uh, we're going to be white supremacists all up in here. I'm like, oh, that's right. The gay community is very racist. There's a huge amount of racism in it. Yeah. Like, I, so I, I should actually say that, like, sort of like feeding into my point before, there's a huge amount of overt racism that maybe also kind of, like, feels like in our current climate, it's more okay to... Like, I, I think that stuff was always there. Yeah. But I think it was more subdued it seemed a little bit less subdued in the gay community. There was a lot more of like, oh, I just, I don't, I don't date brown, I don't fuck brown people, I don't fuck, you know. Like. Yeah, so now there's more and more overt racism, and they're very happy to, sh to announce their racism now, which I think makes it easier for me to know who and whom not to fuck. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, don't like, fuck, like, like, look, like, if, if you have, if you are one of those people, we can't, we can't help our fetishes, and, in a lot of cases, and we don't want to yuck anyone's yuck. If you're one of those people who needs a dude in a fucking Nazi uniform to, like, kick you in the nuts, that's fine. Get a Jewish guy who, who will put on yeah. the Nazi uniform and kick you in the nuts. Like, yeah. don't date actual fucking skinheads. No, no. Like, keep your, keep your weird bedroom play weird in the bedroom like like legit like i don't like i think fucking any degree of fantasy is is fine like i'm not i'm not here to like to to say like you shouldn't want to fuck not i mean you shouldn't want to fuck nazis but like a lot of us have weird fantasies of stuff that we wouldn't do in real life don't actually fuck nazis what was that what was that movie with charlotte rampling um in the 70s the night porter yeah oh yeah <laughs> just rent the night porter okay yeah call it a night it's <laughs> good. You know what movie I watched the other day? This is good. This like remember when I was like, yeah, we should do this in less than an hour. And now we're it's like forty five minutes into it, and here's me talking about like, oh yeah, the other night I watched Conan, <laughs> like Conan the Barbarian, because I was I was going through stuff on HBO, and it's like, oh, leaving at the end of the month. I'm like, fucking Faith's asleep. I can watch fucking <laughs> I can watch a fucking Barbarian. <laughs> and so like, because like she will not put up with anything fucking. I mean not. Not anything fantasy because she watched all of Game of Thrones, but like that was about it for her. Uh -huh. Like she's not playing Dungeons and Dragons. I couldn't get her to go with me to see the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, every time I've tried to put on the Lord of the Rings trilogy, she falls asleep. Um, she's a very smart woman. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, 
Um, point being, like, so, like, yeah, like, like she has no interest in watching Conan the Barbarian for the fucking 50th time or however many times I've watched it. Mm-hmm. But it had been probably seven or eight years since I'd watched it, so I was like, fuck yeah. Smoke a little, smoke a little of my now legal uh, recreational weed and uh, watch a little, uh, watch a little Conan the Barbarian. And so I watched all Conan the Barbarian and it's, it's very good. Extremely diverse casting. There are, there are fewer white people in that movie, I think, than than people of color, which is not the case in most fantasy. Yeah, and not all of them are bad guys either. Very progressive. Yeah, very progressive. Yes. Um, uh, Mako is in it. Uh, Mako or Mako? I can never remember how to pronounce his name. The Japanese actor, revered Japanese actor. Oh, okay. Um, who also was in a movie that's on Disney Plus that is extremely racist. Or like the movie itself isn't racist because it's just Suzanne Plachette and some dipshit uh, raising uh, championship Dachshunds. Uh, but they also have this big dinner party that the that the dogs ruin that is catered by uh, Mako and another guy doing basically the most racist. Asian stereotype stuff you could do this side of fucking uh, Mickey Mickey Rooney and uh, Breakfast, Breakfast at Tiffany's. It's <laughs> funny. Um, so speaking of movies, yeah, that was one of the things we wanted to talk about. There we about. go. Segue. I know segues. Well, I I gave you the opening for apocalyptic horniness, but maybe you want to like maybe you want to save that for the end. You yeah, let's. Uh, that'll that'll be our. You know, you, you, right. s- you save the best for last. Is that really the best? Well, the cum shots at the end, at least. <laughs> okay. I was hoping to keep it a little bit more vaguely horny than, like, you recounting, you know, you're... Getting fucked on this couch. Yeah. I wouldn't know I wasn't fucked on this couch. I was just kissed. I was yeah. fucked on my bed. But, well, you wouldn't... This, this couch that we're sitting on, by the way, is a very lovely uh, uh, velvet... Uh, sofa, so you wouldn't want to risk getting a bunch of lube all over it. No. Or poop. No. No, usually usually when I plan these things, I'm clean. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, poop is, poop is less likely. I mean, like the joke I've been telling at Christmas parties this year, you know, as gay people, we're more than happy to eat ass, but we won't touch a bathroom, (laughs) uh, bathroom door. Um. No, no, like, I make sure my ass is clean for all that, so... No, no, no dick will have poo on it. Yeah. I'm not on my watch. So, we want to talk about, like, some of the films we liked this last decade. <laughs> Speaking of... Let's, so, so let's just set it up real quick, just so you can, once again, like, bask in the absolute fucking shoddiness of our endeavors here. Last week... Last week I was like, "Hey, we should do. We should for reals do the podcast again." And Jimmy's like, "Okay, like we'll do it. Uh, you know, like Saturday or Sunday." And then like I waited four days to get back to him, and was like, "I don't know, maybe let's do it next week instead, and actually like plan things out." And he's like, "Okay, that sounds good." And I don't know how much he planned out. He has a long list, but I think it might be the list that we sent each other earlier this yeah, year, <laughs> which I'm probably also going to be consulting. Yeah, but but. Uh, I realized while I was at Starbucks before I got here getting getting coffee that uh, I had absolutely failed to finish making my list. So I made a top five of movies from the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had initially planned on doing a top ten of the movies from 
the twenty tens. Uh, but I've got about six or seven of those, and now and I'll probably fill them out with ones from my other list. But why don't should we do the two thousands first? I or do you want to do the two thousand? You want to go backwards? We can do the two thousands first. Okay. So my number one for the two thousands are these in a particular order, or are they just sort of like? I don't know. Your nebulous pop, top five. Nebulous because I don't even have a list to refer to for the 2000s. <laughs> so this is coming off the top of my head. Oh, good. Yeah, it's good, to, it's good, good that you've given this some thought. Go ahead. Total. Um, let's see. Trash Humpers was in the 2000s, right? I believe it was... Yeah, I believe it was 2009. Nine, yeah. Um, so number one is Trash Humpers. <laughs> Um, because if anyone knows, I'm a huge, huge Harmony Curran fan, and that movie is just genius. <laughs> it's, um, it's something, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I really like, I really like Trash Humpers. It is not, it would not make my top even 10, or probably top 20, but it is, yeah, ouch, it was her favorite movie of that year. Yeah. Um, over, over one of my favorites, actually, I'll just go from that same year, um, Enter the Void. Okay. Um, I have two movies from 2009, uh, I think. Uh, Enter the Void was one of them. Uh, I just think that that movie is phenomenal, a phenomenal achievement in terms mm-hmm. of cinema. And even though I probably won't see it more than two more times in my life if I'm lucky, yeah, uh, it's still, it, it, it has stayed with me only having one complete viewing ever. Um, I also think that you have to see that movie in the theater to really fully get the experience. Yeah, I've been recommending that movie actually to people recently and they just sort of give me this glazed look. But whatever. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm just... I'm consulting a list here. <laughs> um, I can go... I can actually go, 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 yeah. with, my, go with my second one. Uh, okay. Also from 2009... Uh, which is Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Oh my god, yes! Uh, from, by, by Werner Herzog. Yes! Uh, Iguana Camp! <laughs> it came up, actually, in my uh, memories today that I have that, uh, the Facebook, uh, my Facebook cover photo for a while was the was the shot of him and the iguanas. Um, it's just a stellar <laughs> Nicolas Cage performance. Yes. Um, everyone's actually really good in it. Uh, Eva Longoria, right? Isn't she? Is she Eva, Eva Mendes. Mendes. Eva Mendes, yeah. I can never remember which one. She's really good in it. Um, yes. Uh, Michael Shannon has a bit part. Brad Dorif is in it and is great. Uh, just like everyone everyone who's in it. Oh, uh, uh, Exhibit is in it, right? Isn't he the... Yeah. Yeah. He's really good. Um, it's a really crazy, goofy movie. Um that also has a lot of heart to it in a weird way. Like it is, like it is a very emotionally all over the place film. And like, I don't, I can't imagine anyone else pulling that off as well as Herzog did with it. Um, it's on, if you have Amazon prime, then you're a terrible person like I am, Mm -hmm. but also I believe it's on, uh, through IMDb TV. You can watch it Mm -hmm. on Amazon prime for free. So it is available streaming. If you haven't seen it, uh, and you listen to this podcast, uh, you should watch it. And if you don't like it, you should probably delete this podcast because nothing we're going to say is ever likely to make you exactly happy. Okay, so my second favorite, um, Lost in Translation. 
Really? I really fucking love that movie. I love watching. Each time I watch that movie, I just, at the end, I just feel really, really warm. I'm not sure that's what you're supposed to get out of the movie. Out of curiosity, how much of that do you think is the soundtrack? A lot of it has to do with soundtrack. <laughs> I think so. Because it's Kevin, like Kevin Shields did that whole soundtrack, right? Yes. Yeah. But it's also just, I don't, it's just the way Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray play off each other. It just, I don't know, it just makes it very wistful, you know? And just very, I don't know, it's, she gets, I feel like she got a lot more from Scarlett Johansson than most people get. Like, it's fair, I haven't seen Marriage Story yet, um, but Johansson, like, is one of those people who has been actually badly served by being as big a star as she yeah. is. Like, if she was a if she was a less prominent star, she would be turning out a lot more good performances. I think. I mean, um, yeah, like Under the Skin. I, Under the Skin is a is on my list <laughs> for for the 2010. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and, um, and B is just yeah. I mean, like, she's fantastic in it. It's, but like, yeah, it's such a weird movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard to, it's hard to rate her performance in that because it's so outside what an actor usually does. Um, but just in terms of like creating a believable human character, <laughs> um, I think that she doesn't get the opportunity to do that very much because she's playing Black Widow or fucking, uh, uh, the major from, uh, uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Or, a bunch of other stupid shit that is that she's getting paid well for, but is basically just glamorized, yeah. you know, modeling. And those movies are pretty shitty. Um, Marvel movies basically would like no Marvel movie comes even close to my top fifty. I don't think even my favorite one from the two thousand tens because they're just not that. They're very mediocre. Yeah, I think not yeah. a. Not to get too far into that, but I'm I'm Team Scorsese on that one. Obviously, I think I think probably I think we both are. Yeah, yeah. I think I think mo most people who like film, uh, and actually go go the extra mile to try and watch as much in the theaters, mm -hmm. like the all the weird shit that comes out too. Uh, I, I think we're all in agreement with Scorsese. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and, Scor and yeah, Scor I think Scorsese's point is inarguable in that, like, the Marvel movies are not any kind of art particular artistic achievement because they have to conform to these yeah. corporate strictures that you know that discount the ability of of art of of artists to really do anything meaningful. I think. So, what's your next one? Um. God damn it! I put it away now. Uh, my next one is <laughs> a tie. Oh, okay. Because I couldn't decide between the movie that I think deserves representation from the 2000s on this list, which, it, in terms of like cinematic achievements, which is Children of Men. Okay. Um, which is you know like a a terrific uh, as a again as a cinematic experience. Like it's one of the few movies where I've ever been like, you know, hunched down in my seats, terrified about what was going to happen next because mm -hmm. it's so sort of it's, the energy is so chaotic and the cinematography is so so good. Um, and that tied with uh, Broken Lizard's Club Dread, which is a movie that I feel like is 
vastly underrated and underseen and makes me happier than almost any movie from the mid-2000s other than my obvious number one pick, which will be coming up a little later. I've never heard of that. Club Dread? Oh, Club Dread. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, the, oh, the one... Yeah, Club, Club Dread. This is very exciting. Very exciting. Jimmy's checking his phone. Um, so Club Dread is a... Uh, it's a comedy. It's from the, the people who made Super Troopers, and it's mm-hmm. sort of their second movie where they had a much bigger budget. Um, they had uh, uh, yet another sort of like uh, actor who isn't particularly known for uh, primarily for comedy uh, in in Super Troopers. It was Brian Cox, and in Club Dread, it's Bill Paxton, uh, R.I.P., uh, playing the uh, don't call him Jimmy Buffett, Coconut Pete. <laughs> um, with dreadlocks and a Hawaiian shirt and is just fucking fantastic. Like, it's such an underseen sort of, like, goofy, uh, not exactly, not screwball comedy, but sort of, like, um, just sort of, like, you know, throw every, throw the, throw everything but the kitchen sink at it mm-hmm. kind of comedy and spoof. And it's, it, and it sits inside what is genuinely pretty good slasher movie, too. Um, and it balances those things really well. So I wanted that to have some representation okay. on my list. Okay. So what's what's your next one? Dogville. Lord's von Trier. Woo! Um, Woo! I fucking love it. Yeah. It's, um... I need to see it again. So the premise <laughs> is there is no set. Anything, everything, so... It's, it's, it is like, it is the super Brechtian... Lars von Trier movie. It is like, it is, it is, of all the things you can say about it, the most thing you can say about it is that it is extremely Brechtian. All you see are outlines on the stage floor of where things are, like you'll see an outline of a bush, Mm -hmm. outline of a home, all that. And so what you have is a story about Nicole Kidman, uh, plays the main character who uh, just gets lost and is in this neighborhood and they take her in and protect her and then being a Lars von movie <laughs> everything goes shit, happily, right? <laughs> bad, they just, shit just pours onto her onto her until at the end everything fucks up and uh that's it. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. It, I just thought it was uh, well acted. I think, it, I thought it was uh, Nicole Kidman finally doing uh, some of her better acting, um, which you sort of have to in those sort of constraints. Yeah. And, um, no, it was just, and I and it was, um, I think what, because of all of that, the story itself was a little... It held Lars a little more restrained a little. So it was... Do you want Lars restrained, though? Yes. Did you see the house that Jack built? No. Okay. Don't. Yeah. That's, that's sort of what I heard. Um, again, spoiler alert for the 2010s, one of Lars von Trier's movies made my list. Yes. I'm guessing it's probably the same one. <laughs> probably. And we'll probably make a good segue into apocalyptic horniness. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Dogville, um, if you, you guys just just find a way to check it out. It's a really good movie. 
it's a, yeah. Um, I need to see it again. It's, uh, I remember it being kind of ponderous, but I'm starting to realize, like, you know, like with this much distance from movies, movies that I, movies that I found kind of a little bit more ponderous in the mid-2000s, I'm actually a little bit more into, like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Bill and I went last week to see, uh, the, uh, assassination of Jesse James by the mm-hmm. Coward Robert Ford, which I liked, but, like, was like, oh, it's so slow, and, like, watching it again, it's like, it's just Fucking fascinating! Like every really? scene in it is. I never saw that. Really one. good. So. Oh, it's great! It's okay. really, really good. Um, like Casey Affleck is has never been better. Although I wasn't a particular fan of the uh, what's the the one that he won the award Manchester. For. Yeah, let's see. I just I couldn't get into that one. <sighs> to me, it was just a bunch of white people moaning. Yeah, we can definitely do our overrated of the 2010s. But let's. Oh, yeah. the, well, I have well, I have one of the 2000s. Um, which is one of my movies that I hate the most. All right, what is it? Huh? What is it? The movie I hate the most? Of the 2000s? Of the 2000s? Yeah, or one of them. Tree of Life. <laughs> That's 2010s. No. It was 2009? I'm almost positive that one was 2010s. Yeah, you're wrong. It's, tw- it's 2010s, I guarantee it. Where's the thingy? I can't scroll to the right. Is it 2010? Yeah, it's it's it is it is 2010 specifically. Um, I'm pretty 2011. sure it was. Oh, it was 2011. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, Sorry. but yeah, I didn't I didn't put that on my list. Although it would be no, it would probably not actually be on my top. It wouldn't be on my top ten list, but it's. It would be on my overall list. Uh, if I had to pick one Terrence Malick movie from the 2000s, though, it would probably be uh, New World, which I think is also un- vastly underrated. Um, my next one mm-hmm. is David Mamet's Spartan, starring Val Kilmer, <laughs> which is another movie that I think is underrated and underseen. I feel like people sort of forgot about it, don't talk about it very much. Kilmer's really good in it. Um, it's a very different kind of action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, like, peak mammoth. Like, it, you know, like, every character is basically just, you know, like, spouting very Mehmetian dialogue at one another. Um, there's a scene where someone says, I will help you because you heard me call on Jesus. <laughs> um, whose name is the Chinaman, and he is not in any way, shape, or form Asian. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's it's something else. Um, and it sort of was a template for a lot of Mammoth's, like, uh, uh, TV show that came out after it uh, called The Unit that is also kind of good, but a little bit more uh, pro-military than maybe it should be. Okay. So where are we at? Do we I, have one more? I have, I have one more. Okay. Uh, I'll give like it's one one of my favorites. Then go ahead. In the mood for love, yeah. Fucking Wong Kar Wai. It's an amazing. Oh my! Have you seen the Grandmaster? I did. Is it good? It's. Eh. I own it on Blu-ray. I've never watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of blu I've realized recently that I have a lot of Blu-rays that I need to go back and actually watch uh-huh. because I bought them thinking like oh yeah like I love this movie I will you know like 
like I'll keep it. And that's one of the ones that it's like probably the only one I have left where I actually bought the Blu-ray and then just mm-hmm. for whatever reason never ended up watching it. Um, my love for In the Mood for Love is really only tempered by how much more I love uh, Fallen Angels and um, uh, what was it? a Chunking Express. Chunking Express. Like specifically because Chunking Express and Fallen Angels, I first saw as a double feature and remains like the best uh-huh. double feature I've ever seen in my life, just because of how they play off of each other mm-hmm. without actually being really super related to one another. Um, and also just like being unlike anything else I'd ever seen. In the Moon for Love is very, very good. Though. It's yeah. I just just the long camera shot, the colors, the mood, just everything about it just um, and good. it's Tony Lang, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, he's so fucking good. He's so movie. good. He was so good in that he was great and happy together. Yeah. Just fuck. Just oh, love that. Love Happy Together too. Yeah, Happy Together. That would be a good double feature. Happy Together and in the mood. And the mood in the mood for love versus yeah, like yeah. Well, we'll get maybe we'll try and get the Frida to (laughs) show those. (laughs) Uh, I've been going to the Frida a lot because um, a they have great programming and b like um, I've gone to a few movies. uh, Cats, most cats, uh, the Star Wars movie and um, Uncut Gems. All had the theaters I was in all had really crappy sound for some mm. reason. Like, not even like it was hard to hear. It was just like it all sounded like it was coming only from the front speakers. So there was no surrounds. And I think especially with Uncut Gems, it really hurt the movie because um, I feel like the I feel like the the music and sort of the the sound design being all around you would really change that. And then when we went to see Assassination of Jesse James, like the sound was perfect in that theater. Because uh, you get those really loud, yeah. very you know, very abrupt gunshots that really startle you every time. Like I kept jumping in my seat because they were so loud. Um, if I go to the theater, I want fucking good sound. That's what I don't have at home that I can't that I definitely yeah. can't get anywhere else. Um, yeah, when I went and saw, I saw nineteen seventeen last night. Yeah, and I was in one of those Dolby theaters, so like it even vibrated your ch- your chair in your seat. And so, it was, um, didn't save the movie, but it was, um... Did you, did you, you said you liked it, but it was I liked it, it was you, okay. Your, your exact quote, which I made fun of you for, was, it's no best picture contender, which is hilarious, given how bad the fucking best pictures this decade have been. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Like, even the, even the Guillermo del Toro one, I think, is, like, not one of his best movies. No, no. Um, uh... But, I mean, if, if I'm looking at the crop of all of the movies, like, that, like it, 1917 isn't the best. But, I mean, it's good. What do you think? Oh, so, you know what? The more I think about it, the more I think, let's, uh, let's, actually, um, let's actually put off our best of 2010s okay. list. Um, I, can gi- I can give my, my last uh, one of the 2000s, yeah, which... Especially because we're at forty-five minutes. Yeah. Well, and I figure we should actually. What we should actually do is talk a little. Is do a little Oscar talk since the nominations yeah. come out tomorrow. Uh, so if we manage to actually get, the the, way, get this up today, we'll look really. Yeah. By the way, it will be Oscar so wide again. That will be the big talk <laughs> tomorrow. Get ready for it. Yeah. Um, I don't know when this is going up. Hopefully, hopefully, I get my act together and do the editing today. Yeah. But. 
What do you? Uh, well, we'll, t- we'll talk about that off off mic. But uh, that being said, uh, my my other pick, which will surprise no longtime listener of this podcast or person who knows me in real life, uh, number one greatest film of the two thousands, unquestionably, Michael Mann's Miami Vice. <laughs> it's it's a fucking perfect movie. Somebody something got to go somewhere somewhere. <laughs> like it's so good. Jimmy is making the uh, uh, woman from Twin Peaks in the red dress sour face <laughs> as we speak um, because I guess he doesn't approve. Um, no, it's not that I don't approve. It's just, yeah, the, that would be, like, it's typical. It's very typical. It's very typical. But I, but it's also, like, for me it's inarguable. It's such a great film. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ask me about Miami Vice. Anytime. Like, you come up and start talking to me about Miami Vice, like, it will be a long conversation. Um, so, yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to... Oh, what was... So, your most hated movie of the 2000s was... Oh, no, because I was just thinking about Tree of Life. Tree of Life, oh, uh, yeah. But that would... That's actually 2010, like you pointed out to me, so... I had... Fine. I had actually done a couple, like, I'd, I'd listed on Facebook earlier this week a couple of my least favorite movies of the 2010s, um, or the ones that I think that, like, I don't understand what the fucking critical hype around them is. Um, Birdman. Oh, my God. Fucking Birdman. And uh, what's the other, uh, the movie by uh, La La Land guy, uh, his first movie that is fucking garbage that everyone loves. Oh, um, um, Whiplash. Whiplash. Oh, Oh, that year was just the year of just assholes. Yeah. Well, that movie specifically is like, like, I understand that people like, you know, even sometimes I like movies about difficult people, but there has to be either something redemptive or interesting enough about them. And there was nothing about any of the characters in Whiplash, except for the, except for the girlfriend who I was like, the fucking sooner you are shut of these people, the better your life will be. Um, (sighs) Which also sort of brings me back to my my worst movie of the two thousands, um, which would probably be Sideways. Fucking oh hell, I hate that fucking God. movie. God. <laughs> oh, I think I just threw up a little in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I like wasn't thinking about that movie. Uh, oh my God. So on to brighter topics. <laughs> J- Jimmy now looks shell shocked. Legitimately, I I reminded him about the existence of Sideways, and it it like physically and mentally took a toll. Oh my god, no! There's one that's worse. What? And that did win a best picture in the 2000s. Yeah. Was it Crash? Uh, the bad Crash. Oh. Uh, not the good Crash. No, not the good Crash. Which I went and saw again earlier this year, and uh, is fucking maybe better now than it was when I really? came out. Really? Oh, I love it. I have to watch. I it. love it. Um. Anyhow. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. I well, so the reason I couldn't say that Crash is because I've actually never seen it. I saw the trailer and was like, no, I don't like, th- I don't like that movie, the, like, people in L.A. can't connect except through fucking random happenstance when it's done well. Like, even, even shortcuts I don't like all that much. <laughs> um, but that one, it looked particularly bad. That was bad. Okay. okay. So, Oscar picks, Oscar predictions, I guess. I've, I feel like I haven't seen a lot of big, big name contenders. To me... 
It should only be the parasite. <laughs> the parasite. <laughs> the parasite. Um, in, in Korean, does it have a definite article, or is it just... I don't even know what it's Korean. What's it called in Korean? <laughs> I'm such a bad Korean. Um, but to me, I mean, of all the ones, because I did not like um, the first two hours of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm also, I'm with, I... I wouldn't say the first two hours. I'd say the first forty-five minutes. But either way, I don't think it's that great of a movie. I think it's a. I think it's a f- decent movie. I would watch it again. So it's not like I have anything particularly against it. But like, I didn't enjoy it the way I was really hoping to from those trailers, especially. And I feel like a lot of the praise that it's gotten is more praise for its uh, design than for its actual craft. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And that's not to say Tarantino isn't good, but, like, I've heard people talk about how Tarantino is, you know, like, this is his most uh, sensitive movie since um, uh, Jackie Brown. And it's like, nah. No. That, this, ain't, this ain't it, Chief. No. <laughs> Try again. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's, and it's not very good. It's too long, and it's not that good. No. Um, and let's see, what else? And like I said, I just watched in 1917... Which, if you've ever sat with a friend as he's playing Doom <laughs> or Quake, uh, that's basically, in two hours, that's what you get. Yeah. Um, so... Is it that long? Is it two hours? It's about two hours. It's, See, yeah, fucking, it's, like, at least, like, for all, for all of its faults, at least Dunkirk was only, like, 95 minutes long. <laughs> But I will say that it's at least it's not boring. Well, so it, it, like, like it literally can't be because it's literally just one. It's a it's a pretend sustained shot, right? Like it's all it, three. So oh, there are there are actual fake edits. There, well, no, there are fake edits, and you can see them. Um, but it does try because there's one scene. The first, the sort of the first scene. The first cut is the first shot is from the beginning to when uh, one of the characters passes out, and it goes tonight. Okay, and so that's one, and then the others, the other one is when he jumps into the water, and time passes, and then he's further down the river. Okay, so that's the uh, the other cut. Uh, but then there are also some scenes in there in between. So okay, I'm, cur- I'm curious to long. see it just because yeah. But I think it's another one of those like if it gets any awards consideration, it's again it's for the for the filmmaking craft, yeah. which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just it- and it's like oh it's about it's about World War One, but then it's like no, it's the it's Sam Mendes's grandfather who told him the story and. It can't be verified, <laughs> so it's just the, my my re, like the reaction I remember to it was seeing the trailer for the first time in I can't remember it was in front of it might have been Ad Astra but seeing the trailer and and being with Tyler and Bill and being like did he just say like fifteen thousand troops or like like it's like it's a number it's a number that sounds big now but like if you're talking about World War One it's like. Shit, that was like the fucking death toll at Verdun before like yeah. before like fucking eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so if you want to see a good World War One sort of movie 
that really goes into the trenches. Watch that Jean-Pierre Genet movie, uh, Very Long Engagement. Oh. And you see Jodie Foster speaking French. In A Very Long Engagement? Yeah. You wouldn't like that movie. I'm not that big on Genet. I, like, I, th- I feel like Genet has been uh, sort of uh, diminishing returns since... Um, uh, Delicatessen. Delicatessen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you knew where I was going I with that. Like I, lo- I do love City of Lost Children a lot too, but it's not as good a movie as Delicatessen. No. So, anyhow, so, anyhow, yeah, Oscar's coming up next. Week. Um, have you seen Uncut Gems yet? No, I, I have a problem with the Safdie films. Really? It's hard. I, I, it was hard for me to get through a good time. Oh, see, good times. I. I'm the rare person who I think liked Good Time better than Uncut Gems. Like, I understand why Uncut Gems is getting the praise it is, but, like, Good Time, like, fucking had me... Like, it had me all the way. Really? It didn't. Um, not even the music? No. I think you might like this one better, actually. Really? Do, do you not like any... You, have you seen, like, Daddy Long Legs and, like, their other stuff? I didn't or? see it. I haven't, I haven't seen that. But, yeah, like, I was watching Good Times because I, I know... A lot of people like that movie. I li- yeah, yeah, it's it's way up on my list, but but I'm just if it, uh, I don't know. Maybe I had a seat in the theater because watching it on you know this TV. I watched it. I mean, I watched it on TV. I and I, I really liked it, but I also wasn't expect. I didn't know anything about it other than who was in it mm-hmm. and that it was that it was the Safties, uh, which I'd seen a couple of their other movies, but uh, or at least Daddy Long Legs. I can't remember what what their other movie is before that is, but I lo- I really loved it. Um, and I really liked Uncut Gems. I think it's a, I think it's great. I hope that uh, Adam Sandler gets a nomination. I kind of don't think he will. He won't. Um, um, Eddie Murphy might, though. That was one of my, that was definitely one of my favorite movies of the year. I need to, I still need to see that. Uh, I went, I actually went to the Frida to see it because okay. I wanted to kind of support it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but for me, it's all about Parasite. Um, Knives Out? I still haven't seen that. I'm so, I'm so bad. Uh, obviously, I am biased in this, yeah. in this case, but uh, I fucking love Knives Out. Everyone I've talked to who's watched it loved it. It's, so, it's a very enjoyable movie. It's really, yeah. And I mean, it, and it's, it's also something that isn't, that you don't actually get to see a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, a, a, a murder mystery, a Christie-style murder mystery in a contemporary setting yeah. uh, that is primarily concerned with the fun of it rather than being, you know, some super, you know, like, like I don't know, I didn't actually watch all, all the Brana uh, Orient Express one um, because his mustache was fucking ludicrous. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but it, like, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I really loved Knives Out. Um, despite obviously being friends with. Yeah. Um, then again, we could all die tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I mean, if so, so you would, do you think Parasite was the best movie you saw last year? Yes. Why? Uh, without spoiling it too much for people who haven't seen it. I mean, it was remarkable storytelling. It was him at his most, I want to say, most 
restrained, I guess, in a way. It is. I, I agree with you, because there's no fucking, like, CGI pig monster, and there's no fucking, like, giant train crash, and there's no, or, you know, giant monster that is pulling people I mean, down. And or, the violence? Yeah. The violence? Vi- the violence, <laughs> there is violence, but for him, it's very muted. It is, yeah, it is very, like, I saw it at the Egyptian, and I think a lot of people had not, either not seen one of his movies before, uh-huh. or or didn't weren't prepared for how violent it gets uh-huh. at the end. Like, and not even like, not even in terms of like scope of violence, but just in terms of like what happens and how sort of like sh- how shocking it is. Yeah. Um, works so well in that movie. And yeah, I mean, I just like, I love, I think it's a really good crystallization of what he is best at, which is sort of like playing very lightly with, uh, you know, playing a very light tone for very, dark subject matter yeah. um, without without diminishing it. it it is a it is an exceptional film um, I think the only the only movie I liked seeing in the theater better than that one last year was probably um, uh, new movies at least was probably uh, uh, The Lighthouse which I fucking I still loved. need to see that movie I loved that movie um and now I'll put. I'll also uh, give a little uh, honorary uh, mention, honorable mention to the Beach Bum, because <laughs> I think because it was released so early in the year, people forget it. McConaughey's great in that movie. He's so good in that movie. Um, Snoop Dogg's really good. Although the fucking the real MVP of uh, of the Beach Bum is. Do you know who I'm gonna say? No, um, is actually I think uh, for for effect to screen time ratio is probably Martin Lawrence. Oh yes, who is fucking. Oh outside. yes, I mean everyone is actually really good. Snoop Dogg's really good. Isla Fisher is fucking terrific. In um, that yeah, movie. like she, like her performance is like is the best one in the movie I think. Yes. but Martin Lawrence is also like super good and his his character is so fucking bizarre. It's the weirdest character I've seen in the movie this year. And like the way it plays out is such a perfect, like, again, it's like a good distillation of like why I love Harmony Corinne. Cause you're thinking like, this isn't going to go where I think it is. And it doesn't, but it kind of does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I just, just, I just have to just shout out that movie. It's ca- it, like, it was, it wasn't came out in what May. Yeah, it was very early, and it wasn't. Um, it wasn't like my. It wasn't even close to my favorite Harmony Korine movie. Oh no! But it is really fucking good, yeah, and people, really deserved a lot. Of, people do need to see that. Yeah. So. Anyhow, I think we're at the end. I think we are also at the end. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that uh, I would that I would really want to shout out. Uh, maybe maybe after nominations are out next week, I'll think of something. But yeah. Knives Out. If you haven't seen it, go see Knives Out. Um. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Don't go see Star Wars because it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just make it a general practice not to go see a Star Wars film. Yeah. Um. I still say Barbarella is better. Um. There's certainly more orgasms. Yeah. So we've come to the end. Um. I don't have an outro prepared. I used to do one, but. I don't know what to say anymore. Cool. We're you take gonna... care of that. I really have to pee. Okay. Please.
He's gonna go. He's gonna go pee. I will say, you can find this podcast on Spotify. You can find it on the BNJ Podcast and BNJPodcast.com. Um, so what we'll, fucking door is it in this labyrinth? It's the last door on the right, you jackass. Um, <laughs> he threw me off. Uh, that's it. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye.